We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of Pack-A-Day Podcast. This is the 342nd edition of Pack-A-Day Podcast, where we bring you Packers news 365 days a year. Um, I'm, I'm your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter, at Jacob Morley. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. You can find him on Twitter, at Ross Uglum. Ross, how are you doing today, man? I'm great. Uh, can see training camp i feel like I, I i can feel that it's coming absolutely and we are in we're in the kind of the dead zone of the nfl offseason but if you have not checked out yesterday's podcast um for, as a packers fan i don't care what podcast you listen to what you like to listen to yesterday's that's about as good as it gets ross as far as offseason content our our guy andy herman had of, you know, the Packers very own Kenny Clark on the show yesterday. Um, if you have not checked that out, do yourself a favor and go and listen to that super insightful. Um, you know, they talk about, you know, what Kenny's done to make his himself successful so far. He even kind of dives into who's looked good this off season, who stood out to him on offense and defense. So um, definitely worth your time to go back and listen to that. I'm a really good podcast, especially for this time of year uh, where news is sparse. Um, speaking of news, though, 
some really uh, some kind of some cool stuff came out. I know some people go really wild for this. It's the the Madden uh, rookie rankings for players uh, in last year's draft class. Obviously, I have in front of me the Packers. Uh, the, the rookie ratings. And, Ross, I'll let you touch on this and you tell me if these are good or not because, honestly, I haven't played Madden since I was probably in high school or college, so it's been a minute for me. But the Packers have. Rashawn Gary is overall ranked a 73. Darnell Savage, a 72. Jay Sternberger, also a 72. Elton Jenkins, a 69. Kadar Hallman, 66. Dexter Williams, 66. Uh, Kingsley Kiki, 65. Ty Summers, 63. And also another notable uh, UDFA that made the roster in Madden is Yosh Nijman at a 56. Ross, how do those stack up to you? Uh, makes sense. I think, uh, you know, Rashawn maybe not having a crazy high rating uh, for somebody who's a top 12 pick is acceptable. I think there's a sense that, you know, we're just kind of waiting to see what he might be moving forward. And the idea that, you know, nobody's maybe sold on him quite yet. I think that's kind of league-wide, so that one makes sense. You know, what he, you know what he doesn't have a super high of is body fat. Did you see that today? I did not, no. Dude's uh, like, the, it was reported, he's like a 10% body fat is okay. what he, he came in. That That is, that's unreal. That's, that's, that's freak status right there, which is not a surprise. We know that he's a freak, um, but hopefully he can be a freak on the field too. So, Ross, today what we're going to do is we're just going to run through the Packers' schedule. We're going to look at interior defenders, basically. I don't care if it's a nose tackle, three-tech, you know, someone like a a Zadarius Smith that lines up all over the place coming, uh, rushing from the inside as well. But we're going to look at just go through 1 through 16. We won't double down on the division rivals, but we'll just look at these teams. And I'm just going to ask you, Ross, does this player have an interior defender that can wreck the game. And what I mean by that is, is there someone that when we're tuning in on Sundays is one of their best players in the middle of the field? Is that someone that can absolutely just take over the game, give the Packers offense fits? Um, Because a lot of these teams have good interior defenders. They have good interior defenders, and they're going to be guys that maybe we mentioned, but maybe not guys that, you know, when the Packers are game planning throughout the week, they, you know, they have a red, you know, they have a star by, they, they're going to highlight in, in practice and in meetings and whatnot. So, Ross, let's just run through the schedule. So, week one, <laughs> week one, again, Chicago Bears. Ross, do the Chicago Bears have an interior defender that can, uh, that can wreck the game? That seems kind of silly to ask. I know what your answer is going to be, but talk to me, Ross. Uh, they definitely do. You know, we've got Eddie Goldman, who, in my opinion, is a top 15, top 20 interior defender, uh, but he's really going to affect uh, more of the run defense side than the pass rush side. And if you're asking me, like, wreck the game, I'm always going to skew wrecking the game towards pass rush because that's where the money is. That's second and long, third down, last two minutes of each half. That that's what matters. So Eddie, great player, but not super effective, you know, in the pass rush uh, situation. Now, Akeem Hicks, that's a dude. Uh, all all sixty snaps or whatever they throw him out for, uh, he's going to affect the game. Play in, play out, run defense, pass rush. Uh, he he's he's nasty, man. I mean, he gave. Uh, Chicago, a ton of snaps last year, and is a guy that 
when, when he's out there for Chicago, you have to identify and, and they do a lot of what uh, the, the Packers did when they had Colin Jenkins and Clay Matthews, where Clay, because there wasn't a great op, a rusher opposite Clay, you know, if, if Clay was playing left outside linebacker, they would have Cullen play right end. And so the Bears will actually have Akeem Hicks and Khalil rush from kind of opposite sides of the offensive line to collapse things and to kind of meet at the quarterback. But those two are are really, really nasty in Hakeem Hicks and and obviously uh, you know, Khalil Mack, but we're not talking about Khalil today. Yeah, and and they'll line him up over the guard every once in a while, but he's not someone we need to speak of. And Hakeem Hicks is someone that gets under a lot of Packers fans' skin just because he, he's a talker. And if you remember before week one of last offseason, he he spoke his piece. But one thing you got to respect about him is he backs it up, man. Like he's – as much as it pains me to say because he's a bear, but he's – yeah, he, he's a very good player. He's – if you would look at the entire schedule for the Packers this year, he's a guy I would say as far as interior guys – because I agree with you as far as pass, ru- pass rushers, guys that can really affect what the Packers are trying to do, he would be a top three guy that I would say is probably the most dangerous that the Packers will see next year. Um, second, week two, is the Minnesota Vikings. And when we're talking about strictly interior defenders, uh, we're talking about probably Linval, Linval Joseph. So what are your thoughts on him? Is he, is he a guy that the Packers are going to have to highlight and game plan around? No, he's not. Linval is uh, one of the best four or five run defenders in football, period, full stop. Uh, but it just is not a guy who's going to going to compress the pocket and really create a problem uh, in, in, in the in the pass game. He, he just he just isn't uh, pro football focus last year. Ranked Linval their 37th overall. Uh, interior defender. This was out of, um, let's see here real quick. This was out of 112 qualifiers. So definitely, you know, in the top half of the league, but because he was so kind of non-existent, maybe isn't the right term, but non-dominant, you know, he was just adequate rushing the passer. You, You don't have to, you know, you don't have to alter your game plan if you're the Packers to pay attention to what's going on with Linval Joseph because he just he's not that good at the part that matters, and that's getting after the QB. Um, but man, you know, like him and Snacks Harrison are, are kind of two peas in the pod. That boy, what they are good at, they are the best at. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, you hit the nail on the head. There's not really anyone else. You know, the Vikings front seven is good. You know, they get after the quarterback in different ways, uh, but it does not come from up the middle of the field. They really don't have that interior presence. Um, they'll they'll line Everson up there every once in a while, but Linval Joseph, nah, he's not, a, he's not a guy that scares me as far as, is he going to come in and, and just wreck what the Packers are trying to do? Well, now, I think pa- part of that double-A gap look that Zimmer likes so much is, yes, that's de- – a strategy. It's a legitimate strategy. It's, uh, you know, two, two linebackers blitzing, feigning blitz, whatever in the a gap. But I think part of that is outside of, uh, really having Sheldon Richardson, who d- does a good job getting up field last year, 
you know, it's it's been Linval and kind of some nondescript three tech, not not bad three techs. You know, like your your Tom Johnsons and and, and guys like that are, aren't bad players. But really, outside of one season with uh, Sheldon, and Sheldon's no longer there, they've had Linval and and you know, like I said, kind of a kind of a so-so three tech. So Minnesota's done you know two things, which. You know, obviously, he's sliding Everson inside, rushing him from from that area, and then uh, showing that double A gap look and bringing Anthony Barr on an interior rush a lot. Eric Kendricks too. Yeah, hundred percent. And so next third week three, we have an unfamiliar opponent, got an AFC team coming in, uh, the Denver Broncos in week three. Uh, you know, they run a three four as well. Ross, is there anyone that really stands out to you as far as interior rushers on that team? And if you need me to read you the depth chart, I can. So, you know, I think, I don't know about interior rushers. Shelby Harris is one of the most underrated guys in football, if you ask me. Uh, not a guy that is going to blow you away from a pass rush perspective, but definitely somebody that needs to be, you know, repeatedly paid attention to. And the same can be said for Derek Wolf. Now, what – those two and the rest of those defensive linemen on Denver benefit from very obviously is the fact that they've got one of the best pass rushers of all time in Von Miller. And and they've also got a top five guy in Bradley Chubb uh, on the other side, a guy that I think had nine and a half or 10 sacks as a rookie, a true technician, not the bendiest guy in the world, but man, uh, when you're lining up across from Von Miller and you're going up against single teams all day long. You don't have to be that good. And I would say that that even, you know, continues on and really I think is reflected in just how easy the job is for the interior defensive lineman at Denver because they are so damn solid on the outside. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to agree with you on that one too. They can definitely get after the quarterback, but probably not coming from, um, that interior week four is going to be a different story altogether. We have the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, yeah, just I'll just let you riff on that one because obviously Fletcher Cox is going to be your main talking point here. Fletch is um, I can't remember what the what the situation was, why the question was being asked. It really doesn't matter. Uh, but somebody said if you could add. I think maybe they're doing like every division, but if you could add one one player from each team in the NFC East to the Packers, who would it be? My my pick from the Eagles, and this is you know when they were Super Bowl contenders and they had you know Brandon Graham and Jason Peters, Austin, you know Kelsey and and Brooks and you know good offensive linemen could have added Ertz, Jeffrey, whatever doesn't matter. My no hesitation answer was Fletcher Cox. Fletch is a top three interior defender in the league, period, end of story, done Done talking about it. Um, one of the better, you know, obviously I think Aaron Donald and, and J.J. Watt set a kind of a bar for interior pass rush, but then right underneath that bar, and I mean right underneath that bar, is, is Fletcher Cox, man. He is – Oh, he, he's so good. And honestly, he's been so good for so long. Not that he's getting long in the tooth, but I mean, when he showed up on the scene in Philadelphia, he was, in my opinion, a high, high level uh, performer. I think, you know, ever after his rookie season, 
really he's been a, a, an excellent player throughout, you know, kind of moving forward. The other guy, you certainly you can't not mention Malik Jackson. I would say a certain down year or down couple of years trying to uh, live up to that contract in Jacksonville. But for basically, I mean, not necessarily a flyer because he got paid. But, man, for a guy that's not going to see a ton of attention because of how good, uh, you know, how good the edge group is there and how good Fletch is, look out for Malik Jackson because if you're the Packers and, you know, Lindsley is helping out on Cox, do you feel great about Lane Taylor or or Billy one-on-one with Malik Jackson? I, I think, you know, there are things you can do to kind of scheme around that. But just from a strict one-on-one matchup perspective, like, you don't love that. Yeah, and, you know, Fletcher and Malik are both guys that they do, you know, they're, they're equally – I mean, maybe not equally, but they're both very good in the run game and the pass game. So they're two guys that, you know, they're going to be a handful that week. And we talk about is – the game plan going to be centered around mitigating what those guys can do. And it very well could be, you know, week four or whatever it is when they play the Eagles. So that will definitely be a week where the Packers interior offensive line, you know, that'll be a good test for them. That'll be, you know, week four of the season, whoever's in there, they'll have, you know, that new guy at right guard. How are they gelling together? That will be a good test. We'll, we'll, that'll, we'll be able to kind of tell like where are they at, you know, that'll be a good marker. So, um, looking forward to that. Week five, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Anyone on that interior interior defensive line that's going to come in and keep you up at night, Ross? No, that'll be kind of a breather. Um, not that Dallas isn't good in the front seven. They might have the best linebacking, off-the-ball linebacking crew in football, um, and they're, they're good at the defensive end spot. Obviously, they gave Tank Lawrence, like, all the money in the world. And uh, they're, they're good off the edges. But Christian Covington, Tyrone Crawford, those are not guys that are going to, you know, strike fear into your heart. Antoine Woods is not a pass rusher. Uh, Malik Collins, he was a guy that I kind of liked in the draft coming out but hasn't quite put it together yet at, at, a, at a three tech. Um, that will be for the interior of the defensive line unless they're bringing, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch on a bunch of stuff or – or, you know, rushing Jalen Smith, that will be kind of a get-right game for that interior offensive line because, again, Dallas is not untalented defensively. It just doesn't happen to be at one or three because they're going to be your most – one of the more traditional defenses in the league is going to be Dallas in that four to three where they have two true hand-in-the-ground defensive ends like Tank and Taco Charlton, I don't know if Taco starts or if they've got somebody else there right now. I'm not necessarily staring at the defensive end part uh, of their depth chart, but they're going to be playing mostly whether it's three, whether it's base or nickel, whether you've got three linebackers in there or two, uh, you're going to have a one tech and a three tech in there for Dallas that's kind of just a adequate player and not a star. Yeah, they actually – so Taco doesn't look like he's going to start. Remember, they traded for Robert Quinn. There um, it is. But uh, so the one guy that I think it's going to be too early for him to maybe have an impact, but one guy there there was – he wasn't their first pick or a first-round pick. He was their first pick. A second-rounder was uh, Tristan Hill from UCF. I really like him as far as rookies go. That's kind of a tough position to transition to in the NFL. So I wouldn't expect him to be a big factor. 
Um, but he is a guy that I like as far as interior pass rushers go for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, let's see, week six, Detroit Lions. Ross, Detroit Lions, I think you kind of already hit on one of their players already um, in Snacks Harrison, and you kind of talked about what everyone kind of knows about him. You know, he's obviously one of the best run defenders in the NFL. Doesn't offer really anything as far as pass rushing. But outside of Snacks, is there anyone that really strikes fear into your heart on the Detroit Lions squad? Absolutely. They're nasty as hell at defensive tackle. I mean, they they truly are. They've got some issues at pass rush, like on the edge, no question. Um, and, and frankly, you know, neither of their defensive tackles, their main two defensive tackles, strike fear in your heart. Because neither Snacks Harrison or Sean Robinson are, are going to really get after the passer. They'll push the pocket a little bit, certainly. But they're not – they're not going to get – neither of them are going to hit six sacks this year. It's just – it's not going to happen. Uh, but Deshaun Hand might. Deshaun Hand is an interior pass rusher with a little bit of juice. Uh, he's not unwilling or unable to play the run, but when you are a four-man front and you're going to roll Deshaun and Snacks out there, most of the time you don't have to play a lot of rundowns. And, frankly, uh, Deshaun Hand does not have to play a lot of rundowns. And he was incredibly effective as an interior pass rusher last year. So, yeah, um, there are holes. I think a lot of folks are probably picking Detroit to finish fourth in the division. But it's, it's not going to be because of interior defensive line. I'll say that right now. Yeah, you look at you look at their depth chart across the board on defense, and you would, can make a pretty easy argument that that's actually the strength of their defense. Might be the, might, honestly, might be the strength of the roster. Yeah, yeah, which is not, yep. which I, I, you know, if if I'm building a team, I would I would tell you that defensive tackle is not where I'm going to have the strength of my roster. But uh, regardless, they have really put together an interior that can play. All right, week seven, we got the Oakland Raiders, uh, pretty solid on the inside, actually. Ross, um, who are some guys that stand out to you as far as um, guys that are game changers on that defense? Well, the love of my life, uh, Maurice Hurst, I, he played, honestly, about as well as you're ever going to get from a rookie interior defensive lineman. Uh, I hope and I don't hope, and this makes me a terrible person, but I hope and I don't hope that that his career uh, is long, you know, because the Packers had multiple chances to take him, chose not to, and he was the obvious choice, and if he doesn't, if, if, if his career isn't affected, then it just makes it stupid. You know, if he has a 10-year career where he's a two-time All-Pro and a six-time Pro Bowler, what, what was that about, the the heart stuff, you know? Um, and obviously, you know, above all else, I hope he does exactly that. I do. I do. I just it, – it's hard to fathom how you could watch the tape and, and not see that happening. Uh, other than that, though – You've got a guy in uh, Jonathan Hankins that just keeps kind of milling around the league. Can't he's just an absolutely enormous human being, but he can't apparently convince one team to consistently uh, agree that they you know need him around. Basically, a non-starter as a pass rusher, uh, but a guy that that is definitely a big and effective, frankly, a uh, run defense guy, and then. Uh, one of the, the the boys from the land of the FCS, as, as most of you know, you know, I cover North Dakota State uh, professionally here in the Fargo area. And P.J. Hall uh, was in Fargo at least once for a playoff game, if not twice, as a member of the Sam Houston State Bearcats and is an athletic absolute freak. 
I thought he was pretty good uh, for his age. And as he continues to kind of grow, I think you could really get an above average starter out of PJ Hall. So they're, they're good. They're interesting. I think certainly on the interior defensive line, but they're kind of like Dallas in the sense of they're not going to completely blow you away unless we get a major second year leap from Mo Hurst, which you could, because like I said, I mean, that guy, he's awesome. Yeah. And that's when I was looking at all the players on the interior defensive line, I actually put Mo Hurst as my, the guy that scared me the fourth most, I guess. And that's really just basing that off of, I do think he's going to make that second year jump and to kind of backtrack on what you just said too. You know, if Mo Hurst, if he comes in and just, I mean, he was, he already played well above his draft status of last year, which, cause he could have, he should have went in the top 15, truthfully. And he played like it. And so if you get a guy, if he does have issues, but you get four, three, four good years like that out of him, that's, that's a hit, you know, as a pick, but that's, that's a topic for another time. Um, so I could, I could see the, the, the Raiders potentially giving the Packers fits, but they're, they're going to be an interesting one to kind of see where their development kind of comes from because they got some good young players on that team. And, you know, they got Cleveland Farrell is going to be on the edge as well. Um, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. This, this guy probably won't make the team, but if you're a last chance university fan, Ronald Ollie is actually in their camp this year with them as well. But let's see, that was week seven. So we got week eight. Uh, oh my, another uh, Mississippi State Bulldog coming to actually, they'll be at Kansas City. That's a Sunday night game. Uh, but the Kansas City Chiefs, Ross, talk to me about the Chiefs. Uh, who scares you on that roster? <laughs> who doesn't? Well, yeah, uh, yeah I think uh, Kansas City, right? Kansas City has just a fantastic roster. I think, um, boy, uh, my guy. Shout Colin, shout Colin Saunders. <laughs> Although I'll probably be the only person in the world to start a Kansas City Chiefs defensive line discussion with Colin, with Colin Saunders. But yeah, a big shout Colin Saunders. I had the chance to interact a little bit with him uh, during the pre-draft process. Him having played in the same uh, league as North Dakota State, one of the one of honestly the best athletes I've ever seen live. And that's not just like OFCS athletes. That guy can do a full standing backflip at like 330 pounds. Just truly unbelievable. Uh, but, you know, the, the number one guy on that team and a guy that I don't, I can't remember if he got his deal or not, but he needs to get his money is Chris Jones. And if he got his money, good for him. But uh, Chris Jones is, in, in my opinion, the best five-tech in football, uh, unless you count – if you want to count J.J. Watt as a five-tech, I mean, that's fine. But as far as, like, if you're running a 3-4 defense and – you know, you, you bring me in and you're saying, all right, Ross, who's the archetype? What is what does a five tech defensive end look like in a three, four and two, four nickel scheme? And I'm going to I'm going to throw up Chris Jones and I'm going to say hey, it looks about looks about six foot five, looks about three ten. And it rushes the passer just like this. And, and I think that uh, Chris Jones is a huge part of the reason, frankly, that both D Ford and Justin Houston were successful there. I think they've uh, made the decision that you know to to replace those guys in their defense and not maybe necessarily worry about it because of just how good uh, Chris Jones is. But but the, you know, I, like I said, Colin Saunders is going to be a lot of fun. Xavier Williams is a pretty good player. Uh, Derek Nadi, the kid from Florida State, is going to be a run plugger only and basically offer you absolutely nothing. Uh, Really, I offer you absolutely nothing in the in the pass rush game, but 
but that's fine. Uh, but yeah, you, you ask as far as, you know, your original question of this entire thing being, do they have a game wrecker on the roster? Chris Jones can wreck a game. Absolutely. No question about it. He is that level. Absolutely. And you look at, you know, just across the board, who are the scariest guys the Packers are going to play this year? For, uh, these positions we're talking about. And I think it's it's a coin flip between Chris Jones and Fletcher Cox. The only thing I would put in Chris Jones's favor is, I mean, this guy had 15 and a half sacks last year, but it was not, you know, Ross, it wasn't, you know, he had three. It was it like it wasn't a chiral fackerel year. It wasn't he had three sacks one week, went away for four weeks, had three sacks again. The guy set a Chiefs record last year for consecutive games with sack with 10. So he had a sack in 10 games in a row. So that's just that's consistency. You know, like the guy was out there every week giving offensive guards and centers just fits. Um, so he is going to be and he is a handful for anyone that he's going to play, um, you know, let alone playing the Chiefs, who you know, seemingly can score at will. Um, so Chris Jones on that defense is a guy that I think is going to be highlighted, circled, underlined, all that. So that's week eight. That'll be a fun game. That'll be a Sunday nighter. And then we got week nine, the Los Angeles Chargers coming into town, I believe. Nope, it's at Los Angeles. Um, Los Angeles Chargers just made some moves recently. No, that wasn't them. Um, but who do the – I honestly, like, I'm kind of at a loss here. Not thinking, great. Yeah, like, do they have anyone that – I'm going to look at their depth chart real quick. It's not you, great. So, you know, they got Brandon Mabane. Um, Brandon Mabane is going to be – or Mabane, I'm not sure how you say it. It doesn't matter. Uh Probably matters to him. I should say it. <laughs> he's a big guy too. He might care. <laughs> but you know, he, he's a nose. He's gonna plug up the run. Uh, he's gonna offer you very little. And I think that's why my guy uh, from Pro Football Focus, the Bachelor, uh, Red, the 17th place finisher on the Bachelorette, Mike Renner. Uh, he 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 was so excited. And and now Mike, I, I will say Mike is a little bit just a, just a tiny bit of a Notre Dame homer, but I think this is a huge reason why he was so juiced about the Jerry Tillery pick. And Jerry honestly is uh, day one going to be the best interior defender for the Chargers, but it's a Chargers group uh, that has just absolutely awesome edge guys. Uh, the, you know, they've, they've got uh, Bosa and, and um, Ingram, and they're going to be able to get after you on the edges. Uh, they're going to be able to blitz Derwin James. They're going to, you know, they, they've got, and they've got Nasir Adderley on the back end now. They are going to be able to do so many things uh, as far as getting after the quarterback that the fact that they aren't that good up front, uh, you know, in between the tackles is kind of irrelevant. Uh, both Justin Jones and Damian Square gave probably too many snaps last year. Um, they're not particularly good players, but you're going to have a Bain kind of really working towards the, the the run game. And then you're going to have Tillery really working in a sense of, of getting after the quarterback. And uh, for, for what little they need, I mean, that's got, that it's going to be enough as far as they don't have a tremendous, tremendous need for interior pass rush because they are that good on the edge. Yeah, and Tillery's a fun player. He's a good player, a guy I liked a lot coming out of Notre Dame. But again, what I talked about even with uh, with Hill, you know, that's a position that's really tough to play as a rookie. So I wouldn't expect him to really be a guy that is going to be the focal point of what the Packers are trying to do on offense. 
Uh, week 10, we have the Carolina Panthers. And that was the team I was just thinking of. They made a kind of a big splash move this offseason to go out and get Gerald McCoy. Um, is But what is what does he still have left in the tank, though, Ross? Is he still a guy that that you think can take over a game? I don't know if he can still take over a game. He was a really good run defender last year. You saw the pass rush numbers drop off significantly. Uh, but he's a guy, honestly, you know, with very poor support from a defensive end standpoint. They've had edge rush problems in Tampa forever and ever and ever. Uh, but a guy now, I think, that you might not see constantly getting double teamed because, you know, who's really good is Kwan Short. Kwan Short has been good since they drafted him. Uh, has always been unheralded, mostly because that the year that they took him, they also took Starla Tulele, who was supposed to be the better player. You know, he was the more highly thought of player, but they've got some dudes uh, and a lot of a lot of potential. Uh, Don Terry Poe is another guy that is now a Carolina Panther who has just all the potential in the world. Uh, they haven't quite yet, though. I think it's coming. They haven't quite yet given up on Vernon Butler. Uh, I think a guy that they probably honestly drafted over Kenny Clark, which is, yep. yeah, which, which is not ideal when, when you're identifying interior defensive line talent. But nonetheless, uh, that K1 short Gerald McCoy deal is going to be really fun. I don't know how much, you know, on base downs they're going to be able to play together because Kawan is short. <laughs> he is. I mean, he actually is a little bit undersized, and I don't think Gerald McCoy has a ton of interest in playing nose. So base downs, maybe they don't play together a ton. But once it comes money time, you know, you're going to be able to let both of those guys buck in. And I think uh, one of them is going to get single teamed and one of them is going to be successful. All right, week 11, bye. Week 12, this is a really interesting one because the 49ers are just loaded with talent. But, Ross, do they have anyone that's materialized as someone that is going to be a problem? Yeah, Buck has. DeForest Buckner has. He's a guy that I was super, super high on. Um, he Honestly, he's one of those guys like Rashawn Gary that the Packers just don't get a chance to draft. Now, they did this year, obviously. But DeForest is one of those guys where you're just looking at the raw measurables and you're like, all right, well, that's a blue chip athlete. And they don't have a chance at him. You know, they're not they're not going to be able to take him because they're not ever going to be bad enough to be up high enough to take a guy like a DeForest Buckner. And he's really been the one dude that has sort of returned on that because right now Solomon Thomas hasn't. Uh, they, they've been unfortunate in the sense of they've had to really kind of play Solomon out of out of position. I don't know what they're even going to you know, do with him now. Uh, Eric Armstead is a guy. Is he still with San Fran, Eric Armstead? Yeah, he is. He's the rather starter on the interior. interior. Yeah, and Eric, you know, he's another really, really long levered Oregon guy um, that I, you know, he was once like the top prospect in all of high school football coming out, made huge splash when he agreed to go to Oregon, but is a guy that, hasn't necessarily put it all together from a pass rush standpoint, hasn't necessarily capitalized on his tremendous athleticism. Um, but I still like a lot of the talent. And and Sheldon Day, 
is, is an okay player in there as well. But really, it, it, it kind of stops and starts with DeForest and then whatever you can get out of those super high picks, Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas is, you know, they're going to have to figure it out. Yeah, and they're when you look at their depth chart, their front seven looks good on paper. You know, they've obviously invested a ton in that front seven. They just, you know, obviously drafted Bosa. They brought in D4. Fred Fred Warner was a really good pick for them last year. They just gave the bag to Quan Alexander. Um, so, you know, they have some guys there, and, it, you know, it all starts with Buckner, I think. And if they can kind of neutralize him, I think the Packers are going to be in good shape. Um, let's see. That is week 12, week 13, New York Giants. Talk to me about the Giants, Ross. Uh, they've got a really good one-trick pony that, that kind of kicks everything off, and that's Dalvin Tomlinson, who you do not want any part of rushing the passer, but is a really excellent run defender and honestly was a pretty great uh, replacement for Snacks Harrison at a price that you know wasn't Snacks Harrison. Uh, he's not the best run defender in the league in the way that that snacks is, but, but Dalvin's really a top notch player in that way. Uh, BJ Hill's a pretty good player. Other than that though, not a ton to, to write home about uh, on, on the giants interior. I don't know uh, how much they're going to get out of Dexter Lawrence this year. I know that's a guy that was lightly talked about with the Packers uh, with Dexter, I've always said, and, and, you know, for his sake, I'd be happy to be wrong. But with Dexter, I've, I've always seen a guy who is a high high floor, low ceiling. Like I, Dexter's going to be a good either second teamer or, or starter on a good defensive line. I, I don't see a Pro Bowl for him. Um, I, I certainly don't see an all pro for him. But you're never going to look at Dexter Lawrence, I don't think, during his time at New York, period, and go, oh, there's a hole there. You know, I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, with anyone, you never know, year one at defensive tackle. It's just hard. And, and we keep saying that, but, guys, it really, really is. I mean, it's difficult. We look at, yeah, look at guy, look at Kenny Clark. He did next to nothing his rookie year. B.J. Raji is another guy. That you know, it's just tough. It's, that, that's 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 a grown man position, and those guys come out of college. I think they realize that real quick. Uh, week fourteen. This is actually the last one because fifteen. Week fifteen is the Bears. Week sixteen is Minnesota. Week seventeen is Detroit. So week fourteen, the Washington Redskins. What do they got going on in the interior uh, interior defensive player front? A whole bunch of Alabama. Oh, they had Deron Payne. Who else have they got? <laughs> well, they've got uh, Deron Payne, who I'm pretty sure was was He's, grandma. Um, they've well, got, you, you talk about wrecking games. How about yeah. last year when they played when they played Deron Payne? What he had like two or three sacks, didn't he? And Deron Payne, you know, is not a great pass rusher, but I think he played well against Green Bay a year ago. Yeah. But Deron Payne's a Bama guy. Jonathan Allen is a is a Bama guy. He was honestly for most of the pre-draft process of his year, he was thought to be the best overall player in the draft. Uh, he had some medicals come back that weren't great. He also had some um, testing that didn't go all that well and pushed him a little bit, you know, further down than you might think. But Matt Ioannidis is another decent player. Um, they're going to be good in that that defensive interior, but they're not going to scare anybody and they shouldn't frankly tim settles a big old boy 
Uh, he's he's a, he's a basically a one down player playing first down against the run. But they're they're good. They're just not great. Uh, if you if you're looking at Pro Football Focus from that standpoint, you're talking about starting at at uh, 49. You know, with their top interior defensor, and that's Payne. Payne is the 40 49th ranked interior defensive lineman per Pro Football Focus. And just to compare him to the Packers, you know, he's seven spots below Dean Lowry, uh, four spots ahead of Mike Daniels and 40 spots behind Kenny Clark. So if you want to just base on like, all right, where are the Packers at? Where are the skins at? Skins are way behind Green Bay, even uh, from an interior defensive standpoint. Yeah, and that's and I'm looking at his game logs from last year. He didn't have – I just remember him being in the backfield the entire game. But looking at his, his stat line, which doesn't tell the whole story, but he had one sack, uh, tackle for loss, quarterback. I mean, so he had a good game. It looks like that was kind of his coming out party last year. Because he ended the he ended the season with five sacks as an interior defender, a rookie. That's pretty good. Um, so he's a guy that might take that second step and and be an issue, but um, hopefully not. You know, hopefully they got that figured out by that point in the year. But Ross, let's talk about real quick before we get out of here. So we talk about all these other teams and their interior defenders. What about the Packers? Where would you stack them up? You know, if we were an opposing team looking at the Green Bay Packers and saying, "Hey, we're going to talk about." You know, they're interior defenders. Who do they have that might scare us? So, Ross, if you were another team, who would you game plan around for, uh, on the Packers team? I mean, Kenny Clark is flat out a top 10 uh, interior defender, period. I, I've got the the player grades up right now for, for a football focus. And, again, they're not, they're not all that is, you know, the, the, necessarily. But if you – Organize them by pass rush grade, not overall grade, but you organize them by pass rush grade. You got Kenny Clark at fourth overall, and you got Mike Daniels inside the top ten, which means they really must have not liked Mike's run defense last year because, as I said, he wasn't particularly high in the overall ratings. But as pure pass rush, uh, they felt like both Mike and Kenny were inside the top ten. And that tells you everything you need to know as far as I'm concerned, as far as what matters to me. Uh, as a talent evaluator, and that's pass rush, baby, forever and ever and ever. That's all uh, I'm, you know, my, my entire defensive strategy for professional football is rush the passer, cover the receivers. We'll, we'll play run defense when we have to, because <laughs> hopefully the offense has us up 10 or up 14, and, and, and we're going and going and going and going. But that's what I think you have to worry about. Number one right away is the interior pass rush of, uh, of of Daniels and of Clark. And then, uh, by the way, it doesn't hurt that they might have signed the best interior pass rusher, not necessarily in the league, but the best kick inside guy in the league is Darius Smith. He is a monster, absolute monster. And so uh, it, they've got to get to a place, I think, obviously where Preston and Rashawn Gary are doing a decent enough job on the outside or Kyler Fackrell coming in for – for a couple of snaps, maybe even a Reggie Gilbert, who whomever wins that that last edge spot on the roster. But boy, um, if, if you are designing a way to get Zadarius Smith and Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark coming after the quarterback, those are legit guys. Those are not pluggers. Uh, they may be big human beings, but they're getting to the QB and, and creating pressure and and creating sacks, creating tips, creating turnovers. They're going to really, really, really. Uh, mess folks up and 
And I think it's a reason to be not necessarily afraid of the Green Bay Packers, but it's, it's, it, it is not a weakness. That is for darn sure. And that's what's so exciting about those free agent signings to me, at least, is, you know, the holdovers like Kenny Clark. You know, once Mike, Mike Daniels went down last year, once, you know, Clay wasn't Clay, Nick Perry was just kind of, he had fell on, fallen off a cliff. It really was just Kenny out there by himself, and he still was that good. So I think the idea behind that, too, is, you know, hopefully a guy who, by the way, is going to be, what, 24 or 25 next year, he's still a very young, young person, young man playing football out there going into his uh, fourth or fifth year. So hopefully, you know, he can continue to elevate his game and he gets the supporting cast to really be, you know, that game wrecker that we're talking about. So I think he has the ability to do that. Um, and hopefully, you know, that that is something that we get to see a lot more of this this uh, this year. So that is going to be it for Ross and I. Um, thank you guys for joining us. This might be a good podcast to kind of bookmark and come back to uh, as the season starts uh, and this whole series. If you have not been listening, we've been going through position by position and just going through the Packers schedule and looking at players that, you know, are players that are going to give the Packers fits potentially. So uh, if you were looking for something like that, this could be really a good thing to bookmark as you move forward. Uh, but we got nothing else for you guys. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Pack Go. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over against the snap. Back pedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Goes! 30! Turns up field. 25! Cutting right to the 20! 15! 10! 5! Devontae Adams to the south end zone for the touchdown! Rodgers looks it over. Starts to his left. Now he moves. Starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield. Being flushed. Rolling left, winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's high point and it caught. It is caught for a touchdown. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.